backstage reset and house lights. Thanks team for another great show. I'll see you all backstage. This is Designed to Change, Backstage Conversations. you know and uh, hang out backstage how do you feel right now son I feel like I have so many questions for you (laughs) (laughs) this podcast is about you it's about Kagami right Uh, (laughs) but questions um, questions are lovely ways to have conversations yeah I I wish more people ask questions yeah yeah yeah, I think um, I think this whole idea where you know, what you were mentioning before of being this extremist listener when you were visual recording at the very first part of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell that by by um, by the sheer types of questions you ask, um, you, you explore things in people. That's very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, what's the first next thing after this podcast, besides the conversation uh, about late night art that you're going to connect me to? Yes, um, and Miriam first... Adnett also want to introduce you to her too. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Uh, what what's what's the first next things that you're going to action as a result of your like journey on the next horizon of change? Like today. Yeah. So when I was thinking about, I I, I really have questions for you. <laughs> Because I was thinking, I, I have, so the next, like literally the next thing I'm going to do after this is there's this, we're, we were thinking about designing this event, me and this guy named Mike Dilla, that's called We Are Strange Loops. And we were going to do like tours of the country and put on these collaborative experiences that um, that simultaneously train people in collaboration, but also support them in connecting to each other. And so, but I have to evaluate that for viability and um, all kinds of other things. And then, but the, but the also next, next thing I'm going to do is I'm doing this letter exchange on Substack and we, it's this guy named Jose, you might want to interview him too. I don't know if you only interview, I mean, you obviously interview a whole breadth of people, but he's a really enthusiastic facilitator. His name is Jose Redondo um, Lopez or something, mm-hmm. but he and I are doing a letter exchange where we share some of our favorite games for events and I um, am about to publish a game about mistake celebration, what I call mistake celebration. So that's also like a little fun thing I'm doing. And then I'm going to go look at a house so I can live in a fucking house, you know, (laughs) like this is not my house. Like without wheels. Yeah. (laughs) And not a tent, not a tent. Yeah. Cause this isn't my house. So, um, but, but I'm also meeting with Danielle because we're talking, cause that's why your business is such a curiosity for me because you had a team, like a crew, there was four, like when it first started, was it just you and, and Rul? Yeah. 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 So it was two of you. That's what I mean. I'm like, right now I'm like a one woman show and I'm like, I have a whole host of people that are really outstanding, uh, partners and collaborators and supporters, but I haven't recruited that second person. Hmm. And because that's a whole thing, like that's a whole thing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Did that answer? Yeah, it's your a different, the different operating system, right? That you develop, yeah. and you know, like like I said, the way we, I mean, the reason we ended up with Dennis was serendipitously because 
We okay. had um, been doing some work with uh, with Alex Osterwalder and Yves Pinier and and on on an event they did the Business Design Summit in in Berlin when they launched their book and I ran into Alex because he was facilitating. Oh, that's how y'all met for MPI and at at the World Education Congress in Vancouver in 2010. Oh, how cool! And that's how we met. You know, working with the work that he was working on at the time through you know, business model generation. Yeah. Um and the visuals and 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 the um, the driving factor after behind the visuals was jam visual thinking in amsterdam and dennis was one of the founders of that company and that's how we ran into dennis that's and so after cool okay there dennis was yeah, like jam's the legendary place you know i think yeah. they were one of the early people in europe yeah and and they and we really liked that work and we really couldn't afford them to do our incubator and we said no no we have to step back and let other people that would use what we do from different disciplines kind of toy with our baby yeah but we need to visually uh, um, really think about this differently and we need that to be facilitated and that's how Dennis came into the game and then he was you know transitioning into a new phase of his existence and he was like hey maybe I should join you guys we were like huh (laughs) okay that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't really the plan yet or whatever it's like (laughs) okay well and you know the rest of this history yeah so yeah things happen for a reason I guess. that's what right? i mean it's serendipitous you know it's like it's it's this combination of your being out there and stirring the pot and creating these potentials yeah. and then some of them will bear fruit and you don't always know which ones it's such a mystery yeah yeah so um you, you've decided to get an actual house which i mean you've, you've been traveling through the country for how long now for two months you said, well, it was or? five weeks it was five, five weeks. weeks yeah from Asheville, north carolina to portland oregon it doesn't have to take that long but it was it's 2800 miles and we have two big dogs and we were tent camping so it took us it really was an expedition that's the only word i can find like we were like a bivouac like a traveling bivouac you know yeah, yeah. yeah so um so we've been here three weeks maybe and and I would like to put roots down because frankly I have things I want to work on and it's really disruptive to be nomadic which we have been and I love yeah. it we talked about that how great it yeah. is to and how important it is but you also it's harder to like hunker down and get stuff done so that's what I'm really focused on yeah. um, and and <laughs> so I'm going to the adventure van expo but I really don't need an adventure van I <laughs> I really need to just sit still and do work you know oh god yeah <laughs> but you know you could you could you could literally like alternate between vanning around and and having fixed places i think i think having yeah. a rooted place to go back to i think what yeah. the french call a pied à terre right a, uh-huh. a foot on the ground it doesn't mean two feet yeah. on the ground just one exactly. is enough right yeah like the other foot can still travel around extensively I love that. oh they have this other word flaneur which is means yeah. like you know what a flaneur? Yeah. So I was like, I'm kind of that too, you know? <laughs> and they turn it into a verb, which is also interesting, right? Oh, is it flaneur or something? The flaneur is, is the is the is the art of being a flaneur or flaneuse. There's oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Of course. That makes total sense. Yeah. God, see, there's so and many I think words. It stems from from you know, back in the day in Deauville or in Nice or in, in like, you know, where the Parisienne would go out to the beach. Yeah. And in Deauville, they would have like, you know, because they were wearing all these proper clothes and they couldn't walk in a stand and they were supposed yeah. to keep their shoes on. They yeah. put those wooden like things, you know, on the sand, yeah. but they could actually be elegant and walk 
with their shoe wear on and that's what they called flané yeah and then they would have these little horse carriages to carry them to the water side and they could no get way. changed in the horse carriages and then put on their bathing suits and then go in the water and then come back in the carriage redress up and then wow. they could go flané again on the thing so they wouldn't have to cross the beach you know in their beach wear and sully their beautiful attire did uh their accoutrements did you read that in a book or something why do you know that no so this is um well i used to work one of my first uh, jobs early on mm-hmm. was in a hotel called the courthouse in the hague in the netherlands mm-hmm. and this is something that happened there historically so you know stravinsky mm-hmm. would be performing in the main hall or you know later the rolling stones or all sorts of stuff where people would flock to these places during the summer but uh-huh. in the olden days they would have these horse carriages that would bring people to the waterside and have them bathe because the salt water was apparently healthy for some people yeah or most people yeah um, most people and it was like uh yeah it was a way to have your retreat right to uh to go to the seaside and you know get some fresh wind in your brain and all the so stuff we do now when we travel as well mm-hmm. only then they still had a horse and carriage to take you to the water's edge yeah. It's so funny you said carriage, my friend. I like going, my friend Doug uh, Doug McKechnie. He lives in the Bay Area. He's like probably eighty now, and he we used to always purposely drive what he called carriage speed. So we were just like in a car. We just because then you can like wave at people. You can talk to like people. We like we didn't want to just blow by everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we purposely drive like ten miles an hour, five miles an hour in like busy Oakland. You know. <laughs> And this would be like you get remarks. Yeah, yeah, it was good. You're time. practicing your your queen wave. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, we the were still call it the carriage. The Brits still call it the dual carriage way, right? The the instead of calling it the motorway, they call it the dual carriage way. <laughs> They're never gonna let go of this empire. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's interesting. It makes me want to travel again. That's why I'm like. Don't talk to me about travel because I have to stay rooted down. <laughs> um, do you come to the U.S. ever? Do you do events in the U.S.? Oh, regularly, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So you um, might end up. We here. have um, we have programs literally like every other week. I think there we have someone Whoa. in the U.S. doing that, but oh, we run programs work? on the East Coast and the West Coast, and and we have events that we you know put on and clients that we work with. So yeah, where does that person live? Uh, she's actually in Texas. Which city? She just moved from Philadelphia to Texas. To Austin? Um, McAllen. All the way oh, to the Mexican where, border. That's yeah. where my grandparents, that's where I used to go there all the time. That's why I speak Spanish. Because I ah. my grandparents lived on the border. And so we went back and forth. Um, my dad lives there now. Wow. How so random. You must meet Devin Pasha. Yeah, because uh, her family is originally from there, and she's currently in Mexico at the World Education Congress doing event design sprints for that event in 2027. Wow, how'd you meet her? Was she an, is she an alumni? Yeah, yeah, and uh, she was yeah an enthusiast and alumni. She was teaching at uh, Drexel University in Philadelphia, and nice. and now you know she really liked what we were doing, and she's like, hey, can I join you guys? And then she did. Whoa. <laughs> So 2027, you're planning events for 2027? Well, we're designing into the future, right? So you don't want to, oh, like if you want to design for change, especially yeah. for like membership-based organizations who already know, oh, you know, next next year we're going to Louisville and the year after that we're doing that. Yeah. And their well, planning window is three, four years out. 
these are like sizable events, like two and a half, three and a half thousand people. Yeah. Um, and they they have this window of predictability when they you know decide to set up shop in that specific place. And so we said, what's the first event window date that doesn't have a destination connected to it yet? Because that's the one we need to design. So it's called WC 2027 Destination Unknown. Nice. Because if you're designing with a destination in mind, you're already completely like locked into your space of mm-hmm. options and restrictions, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow. Yeah. Are there cultures in the U.S. that you find completely foreign or do you just feel like a chameleon and you can kind of adapt to wherever you are? Oh, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would bring us on the topic of third culture kids, which we, we oh, started off right. our conversation about some time back. That's right. Um, I think if you grow up in multiple countries or, you know, you live in multiple countries, because mm-hmm. um, I think life is too short to live in just one, mm-hmm. you, and sometimes, you know, my parents moved around to different countries it enabled me to learn the language firsthand which is painful you know but effective yeah um but you absorb the culture and you i think you you know the multiplicity you were talking about before or the modularity of your brain of living and working and growing up in different cultures Mm -hmm. it really yeah it's it's very enriching but it's also uprooting right meaning that knowing where your roots are or being rooted can be kind of a, a thing or a elusive. It's like elusive feeling yeah. like yeah. a longing, you know? Yeah. yeah. But um, I recently, so I've connected with many people that have had kind of that history as well. Yeah. And when I, when you read more about third culture kids and about what it means and how it works or what it, what the effects are. Yeah. Which can be very positive uh, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is that you connect to, people and not to places oh my god that makes super simple right yeah but it makes so much sense wherever those people are you feel at home that is so interesting and it makes so much sense because every time we move to a different place the first thing i do is try to figure out do i know people here Mm -hmm. and do i and i mean that's like seems obvious but it's less for me an exploratory of the lay of the land and more for me an exploratory of who's here hmm. and what, and can I meet them? And yeah. in that way, I feel uh, anchored and more at home. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, maybe I'm that too then. Yeah. And then, and then, well, you meet new people in different episodes of your life as well. Right. So it, yeah. it changes over time. It's not a, it's not always a constant. There are constants, which also yeah. anchor you. Totally. Um, but it's a fascinating kind of concept. Um, it is. But I don't, you know, if, if you grow up like that, you don't know different until you read about it and you go, oh, you know, it took me, I first heard about this like five years ago. Like yeah. Like culture kids. I hadn't never heard about it. Did it uh, feel, did you feel relief when you found the concept? No, it was, it was kind of like, aha. It was like an aha moment. Yeah. Right? Wasn't, like you had a word. It wasn't for like what? relief because I'm, I don't feel like I'm missing anything or oh, okay. I just, I just, um, I think when you meet other people that have a similar background, yeah. you do feel that sense of connection That's almost it. instantly, mm-hmm. which is also interesting, right? Because yeah. you can't, you don't look at somebody's CV, LinkedIn profile, or right. you know, history of where they live, um, or need to know that in order to to have that common feeling or that common kind of yeah. Well, and thing. it's nice because you don't have to try to explain it. It's like yeah. oh. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think the fact that somebody labels it and writes a book about it and, yeah. and, and digs into it much deeper, I think this is what I find, like what you were saying about writing books or, you know, mm -hmm. why do why do chefs write books about what they care about? It's not so much that they want to write down all the stuff they know, which maybe their ancestors haven't done, right? Mm -hmm. Which what Trevor Louis was talking about, that like his first recollection of uh, cooking the dishes that his mom in Taiwan used to or his gra grandma used to cook in Taiwan. He had to do it purely from memory and from smells and from 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 make from um, trying to picture that mm -hmm. thing in his mm -hmm. head, right? Mm -hmm. But try recollecting a smell; it's extremely difficult. Yeah, I don't think I, you can until you smell it again, yeah. and then it. Yeah, I was triggers. like, I don't think. Yeah, that's actually a really fun question because the you know the the uh, the smell is I think the oldest, other than like a sort of sensory perception, but you know, it's the one that triggers the strongest memories, but yeah, yeah. can you recreate the perception of it easily? Like the smell yeah. of a person or a place or a, or a. Yeah. I think you create the closest proximate. Yeah. So you perceive that you create an idea of it, but you don't, but that's you true for color. You can't reconstruct it in your head. Like there's no way of visually articulating, like in a visual, you could write out what something is, right. what it represents, it but you cannot. It's hard to represent to, to draw out or represent a smell specifically, right? But isn't that is that true for a color too or not? Let me try to picture a color. Yeah, I think not if you're synesthetic. Right. You can hear it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can taste the purple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who was just talking about that? Somebody I was watching was actually just brought oh God, I'm now I'm not gonna remember, but it was like a an interesting relationship between synesthesia and something else but so i can't remember but it was like I've, i i didn't expect the person speaking to bring that in i was like yeah. oh that's an interesting connection but yeah. so um so you feel at home in louisville for example like if you were doing an event because because louisville i've is never like, been but i'm sure if i go i will feel perfectly at figure, home. yeah oh wow it's very so, often oh what's also interesting is when you um when you I mean, there's a cadence of events that I go to, and maybe other people have that too, where you meet the same community of people in different places across uh -huh. the planet, right? Uh, because you crazy. hang out in the same space, right? Yeah, right. So I would see these people like Trevor, who was just in our you know, podcast, The Chef. I just saw him at IMAX in Frankfurt, which is a big trade show for events. So it's a and small world. Is it, yeah, is it's the, a fairly small world. You that's how visual thinking everywhere. is. Yeah. 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 That's how visual and, thinking is. But that's comforting, right? Well, it is because if you meet those same people in different places, mm -hmm. you, and you're anchored to those people, then those places become familiar very quickly as well. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about the events industry is that these people know how to throw a good event, you know, do a good right. event. <laughs> so when they come to town, they tend to really do their best. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to plug into that field more. Because yeah. like we do, I mean, I do have relationships with a few event designers who bring us in regularly, but we've, I've done so many diverse projects that it's not like a consistent thing around yeah. like, oh, these are my event production friends. Although I have like more than normal people. However, I, like to your point, yeah, make, so I can be your friend and then you can make me have all these friends. That's how it works. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yes. That's how it works for th third culture kids for sure. <laughs> and then our our worlds can can intersect yeah this, yes. is, how, this is how this can be or can, can be can be orchestrated and i think Love this it. is what um you know we were talking about that before yeah. um 
sometimes because one thing doesn't happen, something else does happen, right? Yeah. So the fact that we went to IMAX, the same trade show in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. and our client decided short term to not have a three-day training when we thought we were going to have the three-day training. Yeah. And then remembering that Danielle lives in Vegas and I said, oh, let's go for a hike instead of staying on the strip. Yeah. Um, that's how we got That's how connected. she ended up going to Switzerland. Yeah. And then later she now is our executive coach and, you know, she's, we went skiing in Switzerland, which she had never done. Right. So yeah. I think, I think this is how, you know, things happen in specific order and sequences, like you said. And I think that um, if conversations can lead to physical meetings and collaborations yeah. and things to me, you know, art is where it starts, but sometimes the conversation is even before the art, right? So if you can. Because the conversation I, is an art. It is. I think, yeah, the art of conversation, but also yeah. like it, it, you need to practice it every day because it's, it's not, uh, it's hard to keep, to, to keep, um, to like, keep going. Or, yeah. yeah. It's not hard to keep going, but it's, it's not that easy to have interest, to have the time to have conver interesting conversations with people. Yeah. And to I have think that everybody can have interesting conversations, mm -hmm. but carving out the time in your head to have it is yeah. the hardest part. It's so funny because my husband talks about that, that I most of a ton of my work is in relationship building and relationship sustaining. Mm -hmm. And so he's always like, what actual work did you like do today? And I'm like, talking to people is part of the practice. Yes. I mean, I have four calls today and they're all like, they're, are they going to be like productive in a quantitative spreadsheet way? No, <laughs> but they're going to be really valuable. And I don't know how, and also they're just um, restorative and fulfilling. Like they're just, they're good people, you know, yeah. like this has been a really great experience. And so, and, but there are a couple of people I do want you to meet Miriam Hadness. Have you, you've probably heard of the never been done before community. No. No. Oh my God, dude. dude. <laughs> Oh my God. I've been under a rock, you know. Oh no. <laughs> I just think I'm like, well, this is how like the, the obviousness of that to you and me never having heard of it is also never... part of why this podcast is so cool for other people too, right? Like let's add the links or whatever it is. Like, yes, I'm curious. I want to know now. Absolutely. She's amazing. Like, and I actually, it, I thought it was strange. I had never met her. She runs a facilitation community called never been done. And mm -hmm. it's like, a, it's a, it's a, it's mostly based in Europe and it's a sizable community. And she is a wonderful person to talk to. She also has a podcast. I was just on it. And um, I think it would be helpful for you to see our conversation because you'll see how she thinks and how curious of a person she is, but she's so intimately like, kind of like you, she's intricately connected with facilitation uh, practitioners all around the world. And she's just a great person to know. And she's based in Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, she's in the Netherlands. Maybe she's outside of Amsterdam in a smaller town, but I think she's in Amsterdam, but um, so definitely her. And then this other gentleman that I'm meeting for the first time today. So I, I think he's great, but you know, like marketing, like you can't tell online. <laughs> like uh, you know sometimes it looks so much better online than when everything you have the whole is conversation, like perfect right? yeah <laughs> yeah so this I'll, is part I'll... of the this is part of the gloss that we sometimes have to remove through conversation right it's like you exactly yeah exactly. It, it's like the opposite of of um you know um adobe creative suite right like it does everything to like unmask all the layers and just have a conversation yeah totally I know that's why. And it's like really with the AI revolution thing, you know, for lack of a better word, who knows how that's going to impact 
the narratives that people can construct. I mean, I, I just, I'm like, wow. I mean, my friend Daniel just published something on LinkedIn and I have a, and I'm still talking. I told you it was going to go long because I don't stop talking because I have a meeting at 11. I'm like late, but I told him I would be, but, um, he, my friend Daniel put a photograph on LinkedIn that he created. It has a picture and he, he basically said what in here is real and not real. And so, cause it's him on a beach, there's birds, there's like an ostrich, which obviously, but like, but it, the point is that I could just tell you all that I'm a wildly successful, like princess of an Island. You don't fucking know. I mean, it's scary. It's, and so the only way you can, you know, is together. Vectorize and cross-validation through conversation. I think that's the best way to, to kind of get the real, you know, the real thing above the water. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. And so I hope we all continue to do that, but I would be delighted to connect you with Miriam first, and then I'll, I'll assess this other guy unless you, <laughs> that you know, maybe the other idea. guy listens to the podcast and says, yeah. <laughs> he's like, Oh, she didn't. I've been she assessed. <laughs> I've been I got my checklist. Yeah. I'm going to reduce him to a checklist. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to see. Um, it'd be great to stay connected. And then Absolutely. you're gonna invite you're gonna invite me in a year to talk to you. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. I for now, thank you so much for hanging yes. out with us and our listeners. Um I'm I'm really keen to see what we're gonna talk about next year, but my ambition is to meet you in person somewhere on the planet before that time. I think it'd be right? great. Or maybe next year we can have this conversation at IMAX in Frankfurt and you can be there and you can be one of the, you know, we can connect you to that community of 10,000 people in the events industry and let's see if we can make that happen. Right. Wouldn't that be cool? I would love that. Yes. I would love that deeply. Do you, what's the smallest event that you do? Uh, This one, the podcast, (laughs) two stakeholders and an anonymous set of listeners. It could be, all of one other person listening to us right now or nobody and that's fine it's fine it's totally fine well because my that event we are strange loops i'm suddenly like maybe you should be involved i'm going to talk to dilla about it we're still designing it right now and evaluating but yeah that'd be cool awesome okay i'll see you in frankfurt thank Thanks. you son we'll see you in frankfurt <laughs> it's been a pleasure. And we'll hear you again next year and we're going to see all the work that's going to come out it's going to be terrific thank you so much oh thank you so much thank you too thank you Bye. You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag Design to Change and hashtag Event Canvas. Want more thought-provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune into our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation. <laughs>